and welcome to a special episode. <laughs> Whoa, came in way high. <laughs> Gotta tell that down a bit. Hello and welcome to a special oh, still too it's still too hot. <laughs> still too hot. You 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 know I D I D in the D in the town all day. I D I D in the D in the S E A. You know I D I D in the D in the town all day. I D I D in the D in the S E A. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And the Washington Huskies are Pac-12 champions. Woo! 13 and 0. Hello! Well, we just blew out the speakers. Did we? <laughs> we did with the hello. <laughs> For the first time in the history of the conference, is to a 12-team conference, the Huskies have gone undefeated. Run the table. Assured themselves a spot in the college football playoff for the second time in program history. And I, I think in this moment, the last Pac-12 game that will ever be played, I think it's really important to remember this one message. Dan Lanning, retire, bitch! <laughs> we are really blowing out those speakers But tonight. no, no, actually, on a serious note, about, you know, it's hard not to, Kirk Herbstreit was talking about at the end of the game, seeing the Pac-12, to remember this one last message. Bonix retire, bitch! We fucking own you, Oregon! We own you, Kalen DeBoer, 3 and oh against Oregon! Here's your motherfucking spread! There you go! Woo! Now for a muted conversation about the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know how much of that I can put in the podcast. You're not putting that in there? We'll see. Oh, come on! We'll see. <sighs> this is the biggest Husky win in 30 years. I mean, we talked about it after the UW or the first UW-Oregon game. Everything that was at stake in that one. And then kind of by the fact that both of the teams went undefeated after that and the way everything else played out, the first game almost didn't matter because this was the semifinal to the semifinals of the college football yep. playoff. The winner was in, it was extremely unlikely the Huskies were going to get in with a loss, even at 12-1. and one. Everything was on the line between these two historic rivals. The last time they are meeting in the Pac-12, obviously there will be many more games to come in the Big Ten. Heisman, I, but, I will tell you. I guarantee you Bo Nix is not winning the Heisman. Let's look at I'll tell you that much. in a second between these two quarterbacks because I think Michael Penix played himself back into the Heisman conversation. He is back on that podium, no doubt about it. At this point, I think there was a question for a second whether oh, he, he was, would be there. He's always on the podium. He's on the podium now, and I don't think he's last. So we will see. But I also know that Jaden Daniels, when we're having this conversation, Jaden Daniels is not playing in games like this. Jaden Daniels is done playing for the year, and but, but never, they sure never does play. have a lot of billboards. Oh, in, in Kent Washington. In Kent well, Washington. One in Vegas, too. For oh, the there we go. I love the idea, the galaxy brain idea that billboards matter. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, guess, guess who invented the billboards? Oregon? Yeah. And they have, they have as many national championships are in their name. They've got a Heisman. They do have a Heisman. That's nice. Those don't count for anything, though. So sad. Multiple Heismans, actually. Huskies, right? Huskies still looking for their first, and he may have won it earlier today. The team is now 13-0, the best record in Washington Husky history, excluding nobody, excluding no team dating back to what year, 18-whatever, 19, 
I believe 1890. We are talking about hundreds of years of Washington Husky history. This is, records-wise, the best team. And to do it with the, the, the collision course at the end, right? These two titans of the Northwest, of the Pac-12, going to the Big Ten. We knew that this game was coming for a long time. Until it was official... We, before it was official, we knew that this game was coming. We knew what the Huskies were going to have to go through. They were going to have to prove it. They won once. They were going to have to prove it on a neutral site. At home at the end. And they went down to Las Vegas against an Oregon team that people were slathering themselves over. Right? They could not be more excited about this Oregon team. And it goes to show that maybe... Just maybe how badly you beat Colorado, how badly you beat Arizona State doesn't fucking matter because this UW defense stood up in a lot of great moments. There were so many more punts in this game than you would have anticipated. This UW offense who struggled against Oregon State, who struggled against Washington State, they said, we're not afraid of Oregon at all because we know that we own this Oregon team. And are now 3-0, and and we get to go into this weekend. This is my favorite part about it. We get to go into this weekend. We get to go into the next month. That's why this shit is great. Knowing that we're going to be called 1, 2, or 3 in the college football playoff rankings. Everything's on the table at this point. It'll be the highest the Huskies have ever been in the college football playoff. And we get a month to prepare for this in the best possible way. We don't have to stress about next week. We get one month to know, to just to, to bathe in the victory. To luxuriate in being unbeaten. Luxuriate in being unbeaten and also our second victory against Oregon in the season. They are now Pac-12 champions literally forever. They are the last Pac-12 champion. They are the best Pac-12 champion, indisputably. They are the best Pac-12 champion of all time and they will have that title for the rest of time. It is a beautiful thing. You have to give it up to so many different players. But ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to something that I read on a t-shirt last week. <laughs> Michael fucking Penix. If you don't bleed purple and gold, get your bitch ass out of here. And I couldn't have said it any better than that t-shirt said it. That's where we're at right now with this Husky team. We should enjoy it for the time being. We'll, we'll talk about the playoff in a second, but also we're going to go into this playoffs with a real chance to feel like we have a chance to win. We've just beaten the best one-loss team twice. Everybody says it. Statistics, your little FPI that I know that you pray over every night, they love <laughs> Oregon, right? They love Oregon. UW has beaten them twice and on a neutral site. Show me something like that at any other team in the country. No, I mean, they... They had the number two strength of the record in the country coming into this week. You look at, you know, Georgia, it's probably not going to have as, strict, as tough a test against Alabama statistically. They are not rated as well as Oregon. Michigan, obviously, is facing a team that's nowhere near this conversation. There's a chance that UW ends the weekend top strength of record in the country. There's a chance they're number two. Boy, they're going to be one or two. And look, I think... I understand the college football playoff committee's hesitancy to rank the Huskies ahead of those other two undefeated teams, even when they had a better strength of record, given what we saw against Arizona State and Stanford. But 
that's a fairly distant memory now. Even even beating Washington State by three points in the Apple Cup is a pretty distant memory by now. Yep. Because like the most recent impression that they left was that they were better than Oregon, a team that This wasn't a lucky win. That's the thing. I mean, yeah, it really was fairly even on both sides. I mean, they had a fourth down conversion that they didn't get. The two teams traded interceptions. They stepped up defensively in the first half of this game. And in the second half, where the defense was a little shaky at times, but made the key stop that they needed to give the offense the ball back uh, with a three-point lead. But the offense was just a machine during the second half. And if you want to talk about what gives me hope, to go back to your Michael Penix Jr. thing. Michael fucking Penix. (laughs) But okay. Jr. The shirt didn't say Jr. Well, that's his name. Look, we're just we're just citing the shirt right now. Okay, that, that's it's the shirt of record at the moment. <laughs> oh dear, I'm not putting that in the glossary. <laughs> Tony Castrico and the UW play by play broadcaster had this note via at the Data Dog on Twitter uh, earlier today. Michael Penix Jr. coming into today in games with a temperature above sixty degrees. We'll count the dome as that. Seventy percent completions, three hundred and seventy-five wow. pass yards per game, twenty-two interceptions, two touchdowns to four interceptions. Michael Penix Jr. can't play in the cold. I mean, build build the dome. Build the dome. Whoever drafts Michael Penix Jr., hopefully the Seahawks, build the dome. But it's actually kind of incredible, right? I mean, it really lines up with the stats. I have been a little hesitant to think about that just because. He, we played at Indiana before. This isn't like, <laughs> but know. he is from Florida. That's true. That's true. So That's... he saw he saw the darkness in terms of temperature <laughs> yeah. previously. Well, thank God for the Pac-12 championship game being indoors and in Vegas. But the good news is, bowl games famously played in warm temperatures. Where's so. the national championship game played this year? Uh, Houston, which I assume is NRG Stadium. There indoors. we go. I assume it's not going to be that cold there. I mean, the Rose Bowl is in the, is the only potential outdoor situation for them, and you know should be a nice, nice sunny LA day for that one, which I, he's already played in. He's played in that. But so when we talked about this not being a lucky victory, if I would have told you going into this game that UW would have held Oregon to four punts, one field goal, and a pick, you're taking that a hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, and I'm thinking your chances of winning are pretty good. I mean, I thought going into this game that we were going to see Seahawks-Cowboys no punts. I, I was on this close, this close on the weekly pod to bold prediction Oregon does not punt in this game, which would have been proven untrue after the first drive. No. Granted, not my first wrong bold prediction about UW this year, but we'll get to that. Oh, yes. In oh, I can't Coming wait. Soon. Oh, I cannot wait for the year in review. Oh, the bold, the bold predictions on the precipice when we were on the brink knowing who we're going to play in the college football playoff. Oh, wow. I cannot fucking wait. Not, uh, feeling, not feeling great about the Shohei Otani to the Mariners bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling great about that one, but that's a different pod. But, and then the Huskies punted one time all game, right? Yeah. There was one downs, there was the pick. Like, the Huskies just showed up and they looked like, we talked about this in the weekly pod, they need to look like the Huskies that we know they can be. Dylan Johnson, a motherfucking dog for life, right? I mean, one year at UW, but just packed everything possible into the just the back half of yeah. this year, starting with the USC. Oregon game. Oregon, Oregon, USC. Had the first, he was the only running back to run for 100 yards against Oregon all season. twice. And did it twice. Two times. And 152 tonight, including sealing the game away after we were sitting there calculating all the scenarios of how much time was going to be left for Oregon 
had the Huskies been forced to punt that ball. Oh, it is a beautiful thing. I mean, that, that, was... that is always just like it's the most gut wrenching play when it's happening against you because you're doing the math and you're like, you know what? There's a chance. Right. And then that happens and it is the most deflating play. But when you get that, because obviously they're selling out, right? Trying to stop their own short. When you get that, it is the most amazing feeling. Dylan Johnson just like hit, clutching the ball as tight as he can before he goes down. Just like, get down, dude. Get down. You don't have to go any farther. Get down. End this. Let's go to the playoffs. And that's what he did. So Dylan Johnson, a monster game. Say his name. Roma Dunze. I mean, look, what what can you say about Roma Dunze that hasn't already been said about Roma there, Dunze all season long? There's only one more thing that I think needs to be said about Roma Dunze, and that is Bolitnikov winner Roma Dunze. I think this what needs to be said is that Troy Franklin, who we talked about, came into this game with better stats. Four catches for 34 yards. There's today. a reason he's not nominated. There's a reason it is Marvin Harrison Jr. It is Roma Dunze. Those eight catches for 102 yards. Also... Biggest play of the game didn't go to Roma Dunze. His receiver mate. Jalen McMillan is back and healthy, and it wasn't just a bunch of screens at the line of scrimmage, although those were quite effective in this game. But the 45-yard reception, that is one of the hugest plays that happened. Huskies were down when they hit that reception, right? That was a monster play heading into the fourth quarter. Hitting Jalen McMillan on that one. Having the full receiving core. Jalen Polk going out, making another incredible catch, right, in traffic. Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan. They didn't even really need Jeremy Bernard in this one. They didn't even really need Jack Westover in this one. I mean, one. they did need Jeremy Bernard. He scored a touchdown. But the one person that they did need. Another dog for life. Quentin Moore, baby! When it matters the most, you get the ball to your playmakers. Can you, we care to reiterate, re, uh, rehash our conversation in the living room as we were watching this game about Quentin Moore? About <laughs> I've never heard of him. Who is he? <laughs> we definitely talked about him on the podcast because he committed to UW in January 2021, a period where there was not a lot of sports news going uh, yeah. on. So I, I remember it very much. He came from, uh, what was the, the JC? Independence Community College in Kansas. Okay. Came to UW with a decent amount of hype. Had six career catches in tonight's game. Had one catch all season and comes up with the touchdown to make this a two-score game for a brief period of time. Followed through on that hype, I would say. Uh, Quentin Moore, Jeremy Bernard with the touchdown. Jack Westover only one catch. Devin Culp, Harden, 13 yards. Like, this is what a receiving core should look like. And it was pretty incredible seeing that many different receivers get involved. I think people are underrating when they talk about the Huskies and some of the struggles that they had against other teams, which literally are an ancient memory at this point. Do I care what they did against Stanford? They may have happened. It may as well have happened in ancient Rome. Exactly. I don't care what they did against Stanford. I don't care what they did against Arizona State because they won those games. And those schools they, aren't playing. They don't have to play them anymore. They beat Oregon. And that's all that matters. They outgained Oregon. They ran more plays than Oregon. The yards per play were basically the same. Oregon's yards per play were way better because they're behind the ball. That's kind of how it goes generally. Well, largely because of the 63-yard touchdown. This that I don't know when we're going to talk about the darkness that was seen in this game. But there was much of it observed at I, times. I don't. I, we don't. We can talk about the darkness, but... You're Mr. Darkness. I'm just... I'm, you are the darkness. I don't... I didn't need darkness in that game. I knew that the darkness would come. There are some games that you reserve a special place for of, you know what? 
if we just win this comfortably, I'm good. That is one of those games. Oh, now you're Mr. I am happy with a comfortable win. Th- th- I'm saying there are certain games that are scary enough. I don't even I don't need to be engaged in the game, right? I was engaged from the first play. I've been engaged since the field goal went through against Wazoo. Even before then, I think UW was also. <laughs> UW was looking at well, that. They, they I, might, I think you, you mentioned on the pod, Ryan Grubb may have been saving a few of these ones for, for oh, the Oh, I mean, so, including the Wildcat, which we have not seen in weeks. I think I the play think. calling was phenomenal in this game. But I, I do also want Even, to mention. Like, I feel bad. One of the plays where the darkness was seen, Dylan Johnson slipping on the third and two play. Ugh. But it was a great play call. I, I mean, that was, when you're watching that, we're coming off the Seahawks game yesterday. Such an amazing Seahawks game. And a couple of small moments l- led to the Seahawks losing that game. A couple of third downs, fourth downs, right? You see that moment happen for Dylan Johnson, and you're just like, that's going to come back to hurt us. Ooh. Just ooh. Which it didn't. And I, and I think that was the most important. It was right after that that the defense had their stop, right? No, no. After that, Oregon scored the touchdown to take the lead. Okay. Phoenix got sacked on fourth down. Oregon scored the touchdown to take the lead. Then UW had the go-ahead drive that you talked about, including the Jalen McMillan touchdown pass. But you have to look at the, the defense in this game, which the, I would say that I, I don't want to say they're much maligned defense, but like I think they're pretty maligned. They have been a. No, I don't know if they, any other defense is like a specific regular talking point on the college football playoff conference call. They, yeah, they've been maligned. But I will say right here, UW goes up 27-24, right? After the the DJ run, right? Great play. Dylan Johnson, dog for life. Oregon, five plays, 11 yards, and a punt. Bo Nix on third nine, run for no gain. Not officially a sack. Run for no gain on that one. You were asking whether they might go for it in that situation. I was like, there is no chance they're going they probably, for it after getting stuffed three in times hindsight, in a row. In hindsight, they should have gone for it, obviously. I mean, they lost the games. Whatever whatever didn't go right, they should have done. Because we came down and scored a touchdown, and boom, the game's over. I mean, Dan Lanning did, to his credit, know a lot of this game. That he went for, what was it, a fourth and six oh, on that, the touchdown drive? When, when they did the, that, the, the first drive of the second half. Right. When they come out of the second half and go for that fourth and six, and it's like, oh, shit. We were playing this type of game, huh? Dan Lanning did not get bullied into not going no, downs as we no. hoped after the, the last game. The only game thing he that be. I was wondering about Dan Lanning, whether he would do it, was possibly going for two when they scored the really fast touchdown at the end of the game. I don't, oh. I don't know what the statisticians would say about that, but you basically set yourself up to win. Huh, that's an interesting thought. Whether he should have gone for two there and been like, the field goal is going to give us the victory rather than going to overtime. I thought there was a chance that he did it. You might they, incentivize they the do, offense to play more aggressively in that situation. I will say credit to Oregon here. They didn't do a lot of like they didn't do a lot of cheating bullshit, right? There was almost none. They didn't do they, the like pre snap. They didn't extra, fake any injuries. Extra point stuff. They didn't fake any injuries. Like, I mean, it was never beneficial for them to have done that. I don't think in any situation they just scored too fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. But like credit to Oregon, there was nothing that they did that was obviously cheating. So, if there's one thing that I can give them credit for, that's it. The one thing that I cannot give them credit for is Bo Nix's performance. Mr. 80-fucking-percent completion percentage. Everybody across the country has been talking about Bo Nix. There have been pages and pages. It was a very old man thing. Everybody across the country has been talking about they Bo Nix. They have. The, even when they showed the like stats at the bottom, Bo Nix starts one for five. There's your 80%. Look, this ain't Arizona State. <laughs> 
walking through that door, Bonix. Sometimes you need to play real opponents in the Pac-12, including these dogs. 21 of 34, 239 yards, end up with three touchdowns, had the nice run. But like, Bonix as a passer was not as scary as Bonix the passer that we have seen in other weeks. And you have to give the Husky defense credit for that. They were play they were not aside from the long touchdown at the end of the game and aside from the long Bonix run. There were not that many situations where they just beat us over the top. They had a strategy coming into the second half. They ended up scoring a touchdown on this drive. They did the run for a first down, I think, first play. Then they threw deep. And it was like, Oregon is testing the secondary. They were trying to see if this is the secondary that they played in Seattle, that they were able to score long touchdowns on. And this is not that secondary. This is a healthy UW secondary that's seen some shit throughout the year. I mean, Asa Turner's return in this one. Cam Fabiculanen was incredible in this game uh playing in relief of turner at times they split time at safety i don't think we saw any of mikhail estine who did a credible job he was in at the end okay who did a credible job you know filling in for those two guys but you did see the difference in terms of just general play diagnosis having everybody in the right but they were there too they they were there and a lot of those plays even there were the fourth down that they picked up uh, not not the first one that's the later fourth down that was like fourth and five or whatever. Like the coverage is right there. They just made a good catch. And that's all you can really ask for from a defense against an offense like Oregon is just be in the right position. And aside from a couple of very small breakdowns, they were not in a bad place to be very often. Bo Nix, no longer the highest single season completion percentage wow. in FCS. Or F, yeah, F- FBS history. Who is it? Uh, Mac Jones back number one at seventy-seven point four percent. Bonix down to seventy-seven point two percent. That's big McCor- big game. McCorkle energy that is right there. Coming live. Look, look. Maybe it's better for for Bonix in the long term. <laughs> coming to you live. That stats update. Bucky Irving. Again, so they were talking about even on the broadcast. Bucky Irving is so amazing, right? Bucky about, Irving isn't good. About how great Bucky Irving has been. Nine carries. For 20 yards in college. Jordan James is the real threat at Oregon running back. And they and ran he was the one who had a 17-yard carry. Five times they ran Jordan James. I would be furious about that if I were an Oregon fan. The Bucking Irving carries. Like, UW's defense, what I was expecting going into this game was Oregon to be slashing UW's defense on the ground. And it was just, their game plan was very different than I expected it to be. They came out, they passed a ton they really didn't run all that much. I thought it was going to be run, just like churning. Run, 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 run. Running us over, pushing us. I thought the UW line, defensively and offensively, got a way better push than you would expect. They pressured Bonix a lot. There was the play in the first half where Bonix is scrambling, looks back, sees Braylon Trice, and is just like, oh shit. Business decision. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I... That wasn't what I expected to see there. Like, this defense played so well. So they show the stat. Bonick starts out one for five. And then, the, you know, they do the before and after. And we're used to games where it's like one for five. And then all of a sudden he's 20 for 21 after that. Correct. He ended up 21 of 34. It's not like post the one for five. All of a sudden Bonick, he was better, obviously, because you couldn't be worse and have, have scored 31 points. But it wasn't like an amazing performance from that point forward. And especially considering that one of those is what the... 63-yard touchdown to Treshawn Holden. So, like, and the UW's defense was in prevent in that situation. I just think the defense played an amazing game against an offense like this, and that's what gives me hope when going forward they're going to be playing a team like Michigan, like Georgia, like Florida State, something like that. Imagine UW gets to one and plays Florida State. (laughs) 
All right. We got we got a lot of scenarios. I'm, I'm just we, telling you. Uh, but the good news is we can't jinx anything anymore. The what, if, are what if one of one of Michigan or Georgia loses and it's 2-3 UW and Florida State? All of a sudden, we're cheering for Florida State. <laughs> you know what I mean? We go from not cheering for Florida State to now we are like, yes, get in Florida State. Right? I, mean, I mean, be careful what you wish for. I would be very happy to find a scenario to play Florida State in the college football playoff. And Tate, Tate Rotemaker. The important thing is that UW ends up in the Rose Bowl. If it were a classic UW uh, Big Ten Pac-12 matchup, a big a classic Big Ten Big Ten matchup. Big Ten I Big Ten say, matchup. Against Who could Michigan. ever imagine what it'll be like <laughs> if UW plays Michigan? Wow. UW Michigan. <laughs> that would be very fun. I would is is the traditionalist on the fabulous Pelton cast. <sighs> I would appreciate one last Big Ten Pac-12 Rose Bowl until hopefully they move the. Big Ten Championship game to the Rose <laughs> They're Bowl. coming west, baby. <laughs> I don't want to have to play in Indianapolis. Fuck that. Just do the Big Ten Championship in Vegas. Come on. Uh, it is a pretty good place for the Big Ten Championship, for any championship, I admit. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bummed that I wasn't there. This was only the fourth Husky game all season that I watched on TV. I got to say, you got you to gotta shout to the tailgate of champions crew. Whatever they're doing with their they sage. Saged. Yeah. The sage and everything, it works. Third Pelton brother, Nate Tager. I guess not technically third Pelton. No, he has been uh, on Talks the... about dicks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had had not won a road game. Maybe had one road one, game. One road win. It was like one in thirteen coming into the season, and now boom, USC, Oregon State, and the Pac-12 championship all it's in this a beautiful run. thing. I have a message for you, Nate. He and will crew. not. He will not be at the semifinal. Sadly, why? Uh, his significant other has to work the the Kraken game, outdoor game at T-Mobile Park. So, so we'll see. Wow. Okay. A hockey game. I and guess, the Huskies in the college football playoff, the choice is yours. I got to say, the, the the Kraken playing on New Year's Day at T-Mobile Park sure seemed a lot more exciting when they weren't playing against Utah in the so, college so the football game, playoff. So the games are definitely New Year's Day. Because of the, the fact that the Rose Bowl is involved, both semifinals will be on New Year's Day. There we go. Freaking New Year's Day. Yes. Oh, my God. Is God and Keith Jackson intended it? I cannot wait. New Year's Day, possibly... Pac-12, Big Ten, in the Rose Bowl. It's a beautiful thing. Most importantly, we own you, Oregon. We own you. We were aligned for a second to get to the Big Ten, (laughs) and now you are our children. And I'm so sorry about that, Dan Lanning, because you've beaten a lot of other teams, but not Kalen DeBoer. Bo Nix, you've beaten a lot of other teams, but not the Washington Huskies. It is three in a row. At least two of those times, Oregon was favored. At least two of those times, Oregon was favored by almost double digits. One of those times, they were favored by double digits. Yes. And none of those times were they able to follow it through. So we get to have an amazing weekend. I'm going to go buy the biggest fucking Christmas tree. Like, just everything that I needed the children to ask for. I'm going to be like, of course. This house is going to look like the goddamn Griswolds after this. <laughs> Let's hope you don't break any windows. Which, Based on the... The neighbor's windows are the ones that get broken. <laughs> they, there's some of their zones that are broken when the tree bursts. Yeah. No, that's the neighbor's windows. Oh, when, when he puts in the... Yeah, I guess The new true. tree, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll return with pod, our podcast about <laughs> National Lampoon Christmas. I think they're vacation. doing rewatchables this year. Oh, send that invite. I'm I'm ready. It's literally the greatest movie ever made, excluding excluding nobody. Number one movie. 
Anyways, I think it's like Marco in the Mario movie. He's like Jim, Jim Marco. The Mario movie is like the Godfather. <laughs> he was. I think he said Christmas Vacation is the number two movie ever, and I'm like, what's number one? He's like, the Super Mario movie. <laughs> it's it's like Tim. There's not a question. I mean, it's, to, ca- it's Casa fucking Blanca to Marco the Mario movie. Obviously, that was me with Major League Two at around the same age. So I saw I get Major it. League on HBO Max. I've been thinking okay. about tr- turning that one on. We're gonna come up with by the next uh, by the weekly pod. We'll have to come up with a name for our National Lampoon's Christmas do you Vacation wanna, Pod. Do you want to know what's coming? Not not on this week's weekly pod. Two weeks from now, this is a tease right here at the, at the end of the UW owns Oregon podcast. What's that? The return of Coach's Corner. Oh, wow. I'm back, That's baby. Right. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. I'm going to have a wild team this year. I've, I've already heard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from, from BBS Fantasy Genius. Look, I don't have the same degree of hostile energy about the rivalry with Oregon as many Husky fans, including many members, co-hosts of this podcast. <laughs> oh, it's, but I, it's as high as possible for me. What I will tell you is it gives me life to think about how on tilt Oregon fans are going to be oh, for the next yeah. 12 months because we're not going to play them again until the, the post-Thanksgiving window in 2024. So they're going to have 51 weeks to just sit in the fact that they have not beaten UW three consecutive times after dominating this rivalry for such a long period of time. It's a beautiful thing. And we're going to have an amazing weekend. Go dogs. An amazing victory against Oregon. And if I can wrap this up by quoting the shirt of record. <laughs> what is he now at UW? 23 and 2? Well, he's 13 and 0 this year. They were 11 and 2 last year. So 24 and 2. 4 and Did 2. We, have we given Kaelin DeBoer enough credit on this podcast? No, we're giving Kaelin, we've given Kaelin DeBoer plenty of credit. Okay. Wait, 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 sure. wait, 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 what day was it that... Because his record is now 113 and 2 and 11, 113 and 11, I believe. Or 100, or no, 103 and 11, I'm sorry. That's that's his career coaching record now. Hold on. The bag is coming for Kaelin DeBoer and who... The it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, mind blowing whatever whatever his contract extension looks like when we eventually see that down the road. It has now been four hundred and nineteen beautiful days since the Huskies have lost a game, and you have to give credit to Kalen DeBoer, everybody we mentioned on this podcast. Most importantly, Michael fucking Penix. Also, Jake Hader. Would never have happened without Jake Hanner deciding to stick it out at Fresno State. We'll probably save that for the year in review pod, but sometimes when you think things don't work out, they actually work out quite well. On that note, thanks for listening. Thanks. Go, dogs.